Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Kevin Crewell. And I'm Jim McGregor. Today we're going to discuss the changing economics of the semiconductor industry. So Jim, what does the recent announcement that Global Foundries is ending, or at least postponing its move to 7 nanometer and beyond, say about the semiconductor industry? Well, Kevin, you kind of hit on it. It is a change in economics for the semiconductor industry. We've seen not only consolidation in the industry, but we've seen changes resulting from the cost of future technologies. Ironically, as we shrink transistors, the cost goes up exponentially. So as things get smaller, (laughs) we have to spend more money to get there. On top of that, and as a result of that, I should say, companies are looking towards other avenues. They're using some of their process notes longer so they can basically amortize that expense. And they're looking at other technologies such as packaging. So we're going from millimeters squared, which was outlined in Moore's Law, to millimeters cubed to really overcome these challenges of the changing economics model. Interesting. So uh, what other factors are there? I, I, you know, we're, we're now dealing with fewer customers for each of these advanced nodes. You've got AMD, Apple, NVIDIA, Qualcomm, Samsung. And the list of people who need the leading edge node is diminishing. That also leads to higher investment costs. You're right. Not to mention... The we're shifting towards different packaging. As I mentioned earlier, we're going towards multi-chip modules through what we call 2D chipsets. We're also going to stack dies. We're actually stacking the dies on top of one another for innovation because it's still not cheap, but in some cases it's cheaper than trying to shrink past where we're at today. I mean, right now, just to go to 7 nanometer, a lot of the semiconductor companies are trying to implement a new technology called EUV or extreme ultraviolet. Basically, it's taking the light waves that you use for the lithography process from what we're using today, which is about 193 nanometer down to about 19 nanometer. Um, That's a huge jump, but it's expensive to do. These machines are almost the size of a small house. They're two stories, they're massive, and everything is different. You actually have to perform the functions in these things in a vacuum. It's expensive, it's time consuming, the equipment's expensive. Basically, we're at a point where the cost per transistor to go lower is now increasing, and that's something we've never seen in the semiconductor industry. You mentioned also that there's fewer customers. Well, it's harder to amortize that cost over a short period of time. Basically, it means that if you're going to go to 7 nanometer on the bleeding edge or the next generation, you have to plan on it taking longer for you to actually get a positive ROI, return on investment on that. Hmm. Did any of the changes in management at Global Foundries have an impact on this? You know, I think there's a couple of things that might have had an impact. One, I think change in management definitely had an impact. Every time you see a change in management at a company, especially a high-tech company, you're going to see a change in strategy. But also, you have to remember that Global Foundries is a private company. Their major investor is Mabudala, which is an investment arm of the Abu Dhabi government. They've been investing in tech companies, especially AMD and Global Foundries, for a long time. Well, you know, at some point you have to see a return on that investment. Now, their figures aren't public, but you got to think that they've invested billions of dollars in global foundries and they may be looking for a way to change that. They very much control where this company is going to go. So I think it's a combination of, you know, those primary investors and the management trying to decide what the future of this company are going to be. So the end result of this is now we're down to only two 
foundries. What's the impact there? It's significant. I mean, it's not bad from a standpoint in the fact that TSMC and Samsung uh, are still investing heavily in future process nodes, in manufacturing capacity, and everything else. That's still good for the industry. But it leaves you with two choices. And, you know, when you have less competition, as we've seen in airlines, <laughs> that could have a negative impact on prices and the future investments in the industry. So it's kind of hard. And you got to remember that they're not the only ones. Intel's there too, but... Nobody trusts Intel after all the 10 nanometer problems at this point. Intel is pretty much dead as a foundry supplier, don't you think? I think they are. Intel has never really adopted the foundry model. They don't use the same terms. They don't use the same processes as the rest of the industry. Some Even sometimes the same tools as the rest of the industry. They haven't fully adopted that model. So I would agree that I don't think Intel is going to be a factor. I think we're down to two guys, and that's TSMC and, and Samsung at this point. For 7 nanometer and beyond, yeah. So what is your take on... What happened at Global Foundries? They got the IBM assets, and that didn't seem to help them move forward on uh, this new, more advanced nodes. It's a bit of a disappointment. You know, you have to look at it and say that not only did they get a lot of expertise from the acquisition of IBM, but they also got a $100 million gift. I mean, this really wasn't even an acquisition. It was a gift from IBM. And it kind of filled a lot of holes that Global Foundries didn't have. It filled that custom ASIC design expertise to really help customers get from design to manufacturing. Um, not to mention, you know, giving them expertise to actually develop future process nodes. So it's a bit of a disappointment from that. And those groups uh, acquired, the IBM groups acquired, are likely going to be the most impacted. Not the ASIC group. They are kind of separating that off as a wholly owned subsidiary so that their ASIC customers can choose to use Global Foundries or other Foundry services if they choose to. But definitely some of those engineering resources that came over in the IBM gift, if you will. But on the other hand, you really can't blame them. You got to look at it from a standpoint and say, okay, where's most of the manufacturing going to be? And Global Foundry still has a lot of capacity between Malta, between Dresden and Singapore that extends over multiple generations, not to mention the packaging technology. So they can use that for the vast majority of the market. And a good example of this is looking at memory. Memory today, as we're going to 3D structures, the memory guys aren't using the latest and greatest process technology for those 3D structures. They're using 40, around 40, typically around 40 nanometer processes, which is several generations old. Because when you're starting to put TSVs on there, that's a challenge because you have to start thinking about the power between the different layers, the different uh, wafer layers that you have to man manage. Not to mention, you, using fully depreciated fabs or technologies also gives you a cost adder, a cost advantage in the market. So, you know, Global Foundries is still pretty good positioned, well positioned in the market. But as we've seen with other companies and other industries, even other parts of the semiconductor industry, when you abandon that high end, that bleeding edge technology, that has long-term consequences. Yeah, there are still a number of foundries that have made a reasonably good business out of being on the far from bleeding edge, but it's, it's certainly not as profitable as being on that bleeding edge. Global Foundries does have some interesting technology in RF, the fully depleted SOI, which is a good booster for uh, power sensitive applications. And so with the growth of IoT, there's still a big market for these older process nodes. It's just 
they're not going to be a player for and not be a major supplier for companies like AMD, which they've been associated with going forward. So that's that's a big change. Well, and even IBM as well, you know, somebody that they acquire the assets from who is going to have to look at other process nodes or, or other foundries for seven nanometer and beyond. This now puts Global Foundries kind of in the ballpark of a UMC or an SMIC. It also kind of puts them in the ballpark of what we expect to see coming out of China. You know, not just SMIC, but other foundries that we expect to see ramping up in China. So even in this segment, they're going to face stiff competition, you know, within a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, you, you might even think, well, what if China wanted to buy Global Foundries? But Considering the sensitivity to American companies, and, and Global Foundries is an American company, even though it's owned by Abu Dhabi, it's based here in the United States, uh, it would be unlikely that any approval by a Chinese buyout it would come from this government. Yeah, I think with the political environment the way it is, that we're unlikely to see an acquisition of Global Foundries. But you're right, that would be a good acquisition by a Chinese company or a Chinese investor to really break into the market in a, in a big way. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. So, well, on that note, I think we'll wrap this Tyrius cast. Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem, from sensors to the cloud. Uh, this includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and market strategies. For more information about Tyrius Research, please visit our website at www.tyriasresearch.com or contact one of our analysts. Also keep up with us on social media. I'm at Tech Strategist, that's T-E-K Strategist, or Kevin Crewell at Crewell, K-R-E-W-E-L-L, on Twitter and on Facebook. Thanks for joining us. And come back for another episode soon. Mm-hmm.